Well, this year we're looking at the teachings of Jesus. Two weeks ago we began hearing what Jesus teaches us about money. And uh, if you remember, two weeks ago I preached a sermon on storing up your treasure in heaven. And then last week, Pastor Brandon preached an awesome message on giving to the needy. Pastor Brandon, is he in here this morning? Hey, were you encouraged by his sermon last week? Were you encouraged by that? I was so blessed, and his congregation in the future is going to be blessed as he goes out and plants a church in the future. Uh, but we want Jesus to speak to us. We want him to speak to our hearts. We want to allow him to speak to us about our wallets and our purses. Today, he's going to talk to us about worrying, worrying, anxiety, nervous, nail-biting, tense stomachs, knock-down, drag-out fights because we're worried about money. Now, I know a man who worries about everything. He is a worry wart, and uh, I want to introduce him to you. His name is Bob, and what you're going to see here is Bob, he's going to get some counseling for all of his worries. So here's Bob sharing his worries with you. Why don't I start? Huh? The simplest way to put it? I have problems. Uh, I worry about diseases, so uh, I have trouble touching things. Uh, in public places, it's, it's uh, almost impossible. I have a real big problem moving. Talk about moving. As long as I'm in my apartment, I'm okay. But when I want to go out, I get weird. Talk about weird. Talk about weird. Well, I get dizzy spells, nausea, cold sweats, hot sweats. Fever, blisters, difficulty breathing, difficulty swallowing, blurred vision, involuntary trembling, dead hands, numb lips, fingernail sensitivity, pelvic discomfort. So the real question is, what is the crisis, Bob? What is it that you are truly afraid of? What if my heart stops beating? What if... I'm looking for a bathroom, I can't find it, and my bladder explodes. What a perfect example of a person who is worried literally about everything, everything. But listen, if you're honest, and if I'm honest, we're a lot like Bob. We may not worry about the same things he worries about, but we worry, and we worry. And we worry. And I love the question Richard Dreyfus asked him. He said, what is it that you are truly afraid of? Now listen, Jesus is going to ask that penetrating question that strikes deep into your heart this morning. When you worry, what is it exactly, precisely that you are truly afraid of? And you'll be surprised how the first few things you say, he just brushes away and tries to get you to truly admit what you're really afraid of. Let's pray, and then we will dig into the concept of worrying together through the teachings of Christ. Lord Jesus, we give you permission to be Lord over all, to speak to us about anything, 
And we thank you that you want to free us from bondage to worrying. My prayer is that your word would soak deeply into our souls and give us the much-needed insight and clarity, Lord, that we are so desperate for so that we can experience freedom and joy through faith. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And as you're turning there, you have to understand the context here. Jesus is teaching all these people uh, at once. And two weeks ago when I preached on storing up your treasure in heaven, um, it's like Jesus just takes a, he says, you know, you can't serve both masters. You've got to pick one. And then he takes a breath and he continues. So this is like a continuation in the book of Matthew of that sermon that started two weeks ago. And in Matthew 6, verse 25, Jesus says this, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Uh, write this down. Here's the first main point. There's only two points in the sermon. We're going to camp on the first one longer, but here it is. Don't worry even about basic needs. He's going to say it three times in this sermon. Three, when Jesus says something, one time you write it down and do it. Three times. Hey, Bob, Bob, don't worry. No, hey, look at me. Don't worry. Hey, one more time. In case you weren't paying attention, don't worry. Wow. Don't worry even about basic needs. Uh, the ESV says don't be anxious. Other translations use the word worry. Do you know the English word for worry comes from an old German word that means to strangle or choke. So Dave, stand up for a second here. I'm just going to use you as a prop here. When they, were re when they were reaching for a word to use to describe worrying, they used this. <laughs> this will do. We'll pick this word. Kind of sounds like choking or strangling or constricting. That's what worrying does. Thank you very much. He could really beat me up in real life. I'm grateful that you didn't. <laughs> it's kind of a graphic portrayal of what worrying does inside of you. It chokes. It strangles. It strangles what? It strangles better things, better desires, better thoughts, better pursuits. Jesus himself used this imagery in Luke 8.14. Uh, where he's talking about the parable of the seeds. And he says, As for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, that's the truth about Christ, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures. The cares, how are we going to make ends meet? The riches, how do we get ahead? The pleasures, let's indulge, of life. And their fruit does not mature. Now listen, strikingly that means that the cares of this world, the desire for money and stuff, the simple pursuing of making it, making it through this life can prevent you from being saved. It can choke out the power of the saving gospel in your soul and greed and covetousness are listed among the sins that will drag you down to hell forever. We're all born on a down escalator, heading in the wrong direction. And one of the things that's propelling us downward is greed and covetousness and fear of money. There has to come a point in every person's life when we make a decisive turn away from those things if we're ever going to be freed of where they're leading us. 
So don't worry. Wow, I could drag you down to hell. Don't worry even about basic needs. It could strangle out your spiritual growth. Now, I want to be careful. Saying don't worry about money, it's not like I'm saying it's time to be careless with money. I'm not saying it's time to be apathetic about money. I'm not saying it's time to be lazy with money or reckless with money. The Bible condemns all of those things. I'm saying it's time not to be obsessively, nervously worrying to the degree that it's choking out better, higher devotions and pursuits and pleasures. Don't worry. Don't worry. Now, this one point has several sub-points. Jesus makes an argument, and it's kind of a winding argument that's really sophisticated. So write this down. Here's the first reason why we're not supposed to worry. Because I'm made for more than food and clothes. I'm made for more than food and clothes. When I worry about making it through this life, when I worry about money, I'm worrying about lesser things than God has intended for me. He wants me to be worrying about greater things. And I'm worrying about lesser things that are choking out the greater things. One more thing about the word choking. Probably the most chronic abuser of choking uh, on TV is Homer Simpson, right? Check this out. Every time his son gets on his nerves, why are you little? And he picks up. And God is saying if lesser things are choking out greater things, you fail to realize that he intends you to serve a higher purpose than just getting money and stuff. Jesus hones in on two things in particular. He says, what you will eat or drink, what your, your body, what you will put on. You're being anxious. You're worrying about your food and your clothing, and you're made for more than that. Let's talk about what food was like back then. The people he was preaching this sermon to originally ate two meals a day. They lived on less than us. Their meals consisted of bread, fruits, vegetables, nuts, fish. Meat was actually a special delicacy. They probably only had it at bigger festivals or special events. Definitely not a daily thing. Their world was without refrigeration. Um, they didn't store much up, meaning food was a daily worry for them. They didn't have, like we do, days, if not weeks, if not months of food that we could live on stored up already in hand. And if times got tough, they didn't have the dollar menu at McDonald's that they could settle for, you know, to, to cut costs. It was to these people that Jesus said, what are you worrying about? Now, if we had to live like that for a week, we would be worrying. <laughs> you show up at somebody's house, nothing in the cabinets, nothing in the refrigerator. They got rid of the refrigerator. Yeah, we're just going to live day to day. You'd be like, what? You'd be worried for them. It's to these people that Jesus said, don't worry even about basic needs because there's greater things I want you to be focused on. Times have changed. Check this out. This is just a picture of all the different food brands that are out there, some of them, not even all of them. And I want this, this just struck me. Um, like imagine an ancient person coming and asking, what is that? And imagine going food to food and showing them all of the food that is readily available to us. Uh, compared to them, the abundance of food that is set before us is, is stunning. I read a shocking statistic this week. Here's the number, $165 billion. All right, get this number in your head, $165 billion. 
That's how much Americans spend on food production, but that's the amount that goes toward food that is never consumed. We spend $165 billion a year. At some point from farm through restaurant or grocery store, it goes bad or it doesn't make it or some, something happens where it's not consumed. $165 billion is what we spend on food that doesn't get consumed. It's 40% of the food production. We just don't eat. There is so much food set before us that if the ancients would come and, and, and if an early Christian would see how much food is just in front of us, they'd say, wow, well, you probably don't worry anymore, do you? To which we would say, no, we kind of still do. In fact, sometimes our food helps us worry. We kind of run to it. We kind of use it to worry. Really? Yeah. Like we cope by eating. I just want you to see that times have changed and that the amount of food that is now in front of us has not decreased our worrying. Do you see that? Do you see that? So when Jesus says, don't worry about food, we should kind of be like, yeah, it doesn't really take our worries away that we have a ton of it. He's right. He's right. Let's talk about clothing. Clothing back then, you pretty much, all your stuff was made out of just one fabric, wool, wool. Maybe you had an animal skin. If you were rich, you got to have some stuff made out of silk. And color scheme wasn't really much to look at. I mean, maybe you had some tan, beige, little orange. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's not like they had color czars back then deciding, what, you know, what colors the tunics would be when they came out. And in the Old Testament, when uh, Joseph got his coat of many colors, everyone was like, huh, several colors on the same coat. Well, Dad must really like him because we only got one color scheme going on on our coats. Uh, color said something about your net worth. In fact, if you had something that was purple, if you had something that was purple, it meant that you were loaded. I mean, okay, stand up, Marianne. There you go. Turn around. Show everybody. Mar this is Marianne, and she's the richest woman in the room. All right, how do I know that? It's because, no, come on now, stand up for a second. I'm not done using you yet. <laughs> this color, the way that they could make this color was so costly and involved that only the rich could wear it. So if you need money this Christmas, see Marianne. She's got plenty of it. She's going to hook us all up with some sweet clothes this Christmas, right? <laughs> Even colors, it was like, whoa, where did you get that? I can't believe you have that. It's so priceless that you have that color on your wardrobe. Now, Jesus could be talking to both those who didn't have a lot, who just needed outfits to wear to keep warm, but he could have also talked here to those people who wanted more. They wanted better. They wanted to show some stuff off. Clothes back then were more, far more scarce than they are today and far more simple than they are today. So today, we enjoy an endless abundance of clothing set before us. Shoes, DSW, shoe wear. You go to a shoe warehouse to get whatever goes on your foot. You could try 50 different things on and not like any of them and go to another store. What kind of socks do you want to wear? What color socks do you want to wear? Pants? Hey, we got pants. $100 jeans, $200 jeans, $500 jeans. Don't want jeans? We've got other fabrics, many fabrics, memories. You know, shirts, blouses, tops. You know, uh, wow. An endless abundance of clothing is set in front of us. And again, if someone from the ancient world were to come and peek in our wardrobe and see how much clothes we have, they would say, wow, well, you really don't have much to be worried about now, do you? To which we would reply, yeah, but 
I mean, that shirt's like a year old. Like, there's a hole in that one. I wore that shirt two days in a row last week. Oh, two days in a row, huh? Not two months in a row, not two years in a row, two days in a row. Times have changed. And I'm just showing you that now that there's such an endless abundance of clothing set before us, yet we're still concerned and nervous about money and stuff. Guess what? Jesus is right. More doesn't equal less worry. Am I right? More food has an equal less worry. More clothes has an equal less worry. Don't worry, even about basic needs. Why? Because you're made for more than that stuff. And the caution is that we can lose sight of what is truly important. There's a transcendence Jesus is trying to capture here. I bank at Chase, and they keep telling me to chase what matters. Chase what matters. And they always tell me stuff matters, right? Stuff, stuff, stuff. God made you to chase greater things than food and clothing, than the stuff of this world. Hey, are you worrying? Are you worrying about stuff? Are you worrying about money? Are you worrying about basic needs? I just jotted down a few ways that you know if you're worrying. You're worrying if you dread paying the bills every month and you avoid it until the last possible minute or even too late. You're, you're worrying. The knot in your stomach shows you the avoidance shows you you are anxious. You're worrying if you hate discussing money with your spouse because of the fights or the accusations. No, it's your fault we did it. No, it's your purchase. You, you hate talking about it in your marriage because of the anxiety that wells up within you. You're worrying if you're reluctant to keep track of your expenses because you know it's sometimes more pleasant to not know where it's all going. You also know that you may have to be responsible if you find out where it's all going. If you're reluctant to keep track, it's because you're worrying. You're worrying if you are very aware of other people's finances, thinking somehow if you had their income or their stuff, your worrying would be less. You're also worrying if you never stop talking about money and stuff. You're always talking about it because you're always worrying about it. Hey, is that you? Because I've got to confess that that's me often. As a new Christian, I did my devotions and learned that Jesus doesn't want me to worry. Then I went to seminary and had professional Bible teachers telling me that Jesus doesn't want me to worry. I even wrote papers about how I'm not supposed to worry. Now I'm a pastor and I get to preach people about not worrying. And then the first time something goes wrong in my monthly budget, guess what I start doing? I start worrying. Lord, I should know better than this, but I keep doing it. Hey, don't worry even about basic needs. Why? Because I made for more than this. Here's the second sub-point. Don't worry, because God sustains all living things, including me. Fill that in. God sustains all living things, including me. Look in your Bibles at verse 26. Jesus first says there's more important things to worry about. Then in verse 26, he says, look at the birds of the air. Okay, everybody look over there. Just kind of look over there. It's as if Jesus is preaching and he's like, look at the bird over there. And we're all like, okay, well, look, Jesus said, look at the bird. Well, look at the bird. He wanted to teach his listeners a lesson from the birds. He said, they neither sow nor reap. It's kind of a funny thought. Bird with a pitchfork. What are you doing? Going to dig up a worm with a pitchfork? Yeah. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Another funny thought. Little bird business, little bird barn business, putting up barns store their stuff. They don't do it. He says, they don't do it. They don't do it ever. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? 
This is powerful if you get it. He starts with the birds chirping, jumping all over, trying to find food. He says, when they find it, it's because God made it possible for them to have plenty to find. Do you know that bird experts, of which I am not one, estimate that there are at least 100 billion birds in the world? There could be upwards. Nobody like can count. Hold still. One, two. Stop floating around. Three, four. But they estimate 400 billion birds woke up this morning with nothing in their refrigerator last night. Having to go out and find today's food. And somehow they all find it. They don't have Costco cards. They got to find it out there. Jesus is saying God provides for 400 billion birds per day. And there's today 7 billion humans. Do you see how he's now teaching us about our God? If God can feed 400 billion birds, can he feed me? And Jesus says, you're far more valuable to him than chirping, fluttering, hopping feather balls. He's now confronting you in what you're really... Bob, what are you really afraid of? Well, I'm afraid that maybe God can feed the billions of creatures on the earth that he's made and not somehow feed me. Doesn't it just sound foolish when you say it that way? Like humanity is one line item on God's list of things to provide for? And we're afraid he's going to get that one wrong when it's the most important line item to him? God's faithfulness is in view. Not just his faithfulness, but the abundance of God's provision stored up in this world for all the living creatures out there. He didn't go easy on the food. It's everywhere. And we learn that our God is not stingy. We're supposed to pick up something else. We're supposed to see that birds are kind of an example, a role model to us, because they're not really working to store too much up. They just kind of are, they get today's food and then they sing a little. You know, maybe go for a little fly. Uh, they're supposed to kind of humble us. You know, the Bible sometimes uses animals to humble us. Like, look to the ant, you sluggard. They're working and you're not. Here, it's like, look to the bird. They get today's stuff done and then they're just, they're not storing it up. Be kind of funny if they were. Little bird that's out there trying to make it, trying to make a statement, trying to earn more than the other birds, you know, flies up to your windowsill with like a Versace sash and some Prada shoes and a coach purse. Tweet, tweet. Check me out. That cardinal ain't got nothing on me. It'd be like, what? Birds don't do that. Yeah, they don't do that because their daily food is enough. We're also supposed to see that if Jesus says, ultimately the worm from the ground or the fruit on the tree or the whatever that the birds eat was put there by God, guess what you're supposed to learn about what you are taking in? Guess whose hand that came from? He's given you everything you have. So I'm made for more than food and clothes. And by the way, God sustains all living things, including me. Do I know his love for me? Do I rely on his love for me? Do I trust how valuable he said I am? Don't worry. I'm made for more than food and clothes. God sustains all living things, including me. Here's the third one. Why shouldn't I worry? Well, worrying accomplishes absolutely, precisely nothing. Nothing. 
we have to face just how futile it is to try and sustain ourselves. Look at verse 27 in your Bibles where Jesus says this, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Some translations say a cubit to his height. A cubit could measure time or it could measure height. It's best to translate it here that he's saying, you just can't put another moment on your life. All that worrying, all that working, all that fretting, all that planning, and guess what? It didn't get you one more second of existence. Why? He's again showing you that your stuff and your work and your money isn't ultimately in control of your existence. Where does your life come from? Why do you get to be here another day? Why did you wake up today and some people didn't? Because God decided it. You have no power to control the number of your days here. Face it. Face the limitations of your own work and stop doing what only God can do. You can't give yourself life. You can't keep your life. You can't prolong your life. You get as many days as he says and no more. And fooling yourself into thinking that it's up to you to rise up and somehow establish your life and keep your life and, and get the quality of your life to a certain point, God's like, why are you doing my job? Why are you doing my job? You can't. And, and as Jesus confronts the lies, this is why we worry. We worry because we think it's up to us to determine the quality of our life, the length of our life. And he says, you can't do that. You never could. You never could. Hey, do you know that your money lies to you about your God? Do you know when you don't have money, it lies to you? Boy, you better find a way to get me in your life. Man, until you get me in your life, you're not going to be happy. You're not going to have a good life. You're not going to be secure until you have me. Your future is going to be bleak and dark until you and me connect. Your money lies to you when you don't have it. Your money lies to you when you do have it. Hey, now that you found me, your life is going to be filled with an abundance of joy and contentment and security. And I'm going to take care of you for the rest of your life. Your money lies to you when you have it. Your money lies to you when you don't have it. And your money is making promises to you that only your God can keep. And if you believe it, you're going to be bound up in anxious fear at the thought of anyone touching your money. You're made for more. God sustains all living things. And worrying accomplishes absolutely nothing. You can't add any life onto the end by your worrying. If you believe lies about God... You're placing yourself in financial bondage to fear. That's the truth. And your worrying can do nothing. Here's the next one and the last point on, under number one. Worrying shows my lack of faith. Worrying, it shows my lack of faith. Jesus finally hits it here at the end of verse 28. He says, why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? He doesn't just come right out and say it. He gets there eventually. Your worrying demonstrates a lack of faith. 
And Jesus confronts this unbelief that lingers under the anxiety. Bob, what is it that you truly are afraid of? Worrying Christian, what is it that you are truly afraid of? Answer, I'm really afraid that God is not going to keep his promises to me. That's the truth. I won't come right out and say that. I may not even recognize that. But the truth of the worrying is I'm kind of doubting God's going to prove faithful. But the truth is, God, it's impossible for God to be unfaithful. God's always been the God he is. God's always going to be the God he's been. It's true for you and me and our church, which makes it a crisis of faith. Worrying shows my lack of faith. I love the way Jesus does this. He doesn't just slam them on the head. He, he gives these artful, poetic, look at the birds. You see the birds? God fed all the birds. Won't he feed you? Then he says, look at the flowers. Uh, scholars suggest maybe flowers that were purple were around uh, in Jerusalem at that time. And we don't know, but maybe, maybe perhaps these flowers were out there. And he's saying, hey, look at the flowers. And if you remember, purple is a color that only royalty can wear. So for a fact, Jesus says, hey, think of how much that would cost to put that much purple in that field. And it's going to be dead within a month. If God so recklessly tosses such precious beauty on a weedy field, you don't think he's capable of adorning you with clothing? You think he'd do that for wildflowers? And yet he won't take care of you? You think he can put priceless, beautiful colors out in the wilderness and yet he can't put it in your closet? Do you see the lack of faith that we're being confronted by? Jesus is saying, this is your God. His resources are endless. And he's your heavenly Father who loves you. He'll take care of the weeds but not his children. Do you really believe that? He says Solomon in all of his glory wasn't adorned like this. What does he mean? This is again suggesting that Solomon perhaps had the most purple in the country. He had the best clothes. He, had, he only drank out of golden cups. Okay? He was a rich guy. This is again just showing Jesus is probably making this comparison. Look at all the purple that's out in nature. Solomon didn't even have all that. Do you know the Bible says that in a good year, Solomon collected, get this, 25 tons of gold? How much do you make? A couple tons of gold a month. Is gold in your portfolio? Oh yeah, I get a couple tons that I put in my garage every month. Two tons of gold per month. If you knew someone who made, how much do you make? Oh, they stopped giving me it in dollars. I just get it in gold. I get two tons of gold a month. That's my paycheck. Wouldn't you think that person must be free of worry and concern and fear? And Solomon, if you read in the book of Ecclesiastes, he's like, my life stinks. It's pointless and meaningless and no fun. I've done everything I can do and I'm bored. So you're telling me if I rolled two tons of gold up to your porch a month, you could still be unhappy after that? Bingo. Why? Because man's life doesn't consist in the abundance of his possessions. You were made for more. 
and only God can give you true contentment and satisfaction. The flowers outdo us in beauty and they remind us how disposable all earthly glory truly is. Jesus is taking a knock at your body here. He's taking a knock at your body. Those flowers are going to be burnt up by the end of the month. Oh, by the way, whatever glory you put on your body, your body ain't making it much past 70, 80, 90 years old. And then it'll go into the ground too. So take care how much importance you place on that kind of glory. All right, so the first point, which we spent more time on, and the second will come much more quickly. Don't worry even about basic needs. I'm made for more than food and clothes. God sustains all living things, including me. Worrying accomplishes nothing, and it shows my lack of faith. Okay, write this down. Number two, follow by faith, and God will always provide. The challenge is this. Don't worry, but instead, follow by faith, and God will always provide. Verse 31 Jesus says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, that's, that's the non-Jewish people, which would include us, they didn't share the same values or faith as the Jews at that time. For the Gentiles, totally different mindset, seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Hey, maybe you just need to hear that this morning. Do you know that God knows everything you need? He knows he knows. Well, he hasn't provided yet. He knows. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What does that mean? Well, the kingdom of God means you're placing yourself under the spiritual authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and following him as master. His righteousness means you don't just want to be saved by him and make him your master and Lord. You want to follow him and do what he said, including in your finances. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Result, all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. That's the third time he said it. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Follow by faith and God will always provide. To review what I said two weeks ago, there's only two roads that you can walk on. There's only two curtains you can peer behind. There's only two masters and you have to pick one. You can't serve both God and money. You can't follow the way of the world and the way of God. Time is ticking. Which is it? Door number one or door number two? What is your answer? Jesus drives you to this place of decision and will settle for nothing less than a moment, a crisis decision, where you surrender it all to him and you obey him and follow him, or you refrain and you keep following the path the world is setting in front of you. It's either or. It cannot be both and. It's impossible. Here's a review of what I shared a few weeks ago. You can write this down. Here's the two roads. The road of the world is, regarding money and stuff, is chase it, Hoard it, trust it, flaunt it. And some of you are on that road today. Chase it, meaning my pursuit of stuff and money, vetoes anything else God demands of me. It is the overriding pursuit of my life. And when money says left and God says right, I always turn left. Chase it. Hoard it. It's mine. I'm keeping it. Stingy with it. Not, I'm blind to the needs of others because I'm hoarding it. Trust it. Trust it. It will give you security. 
It will take care of your retirement. It will pay for your children's college. It will keep you healthy. Trust it. Trust it. Flaunt it. Show it off. Show people what you're made of. Show people what you've got. Show them what you are. Chase it. Hoard it. Trust it. Flaunt it. Here's the second road. This is the road Christ presents. Chase him. Give to him. Trust him. Flaunt him. Chase him, knowing that he's the source of everything you have ever gotten. Chase him. Give to him. Have a good eye that sees the needs of those around you. Give to him. Trust him. Don't stand on the trap door of your money thinking it will keep you secure. Stand upon the solid rock of your Lord knowing he will keep you secure. Chase him. Give to him. Trust him. And then flaunt him. Let him write the story of your personal finances. And again and again and again, he will give you story after story of how he has proved faithful and he has proved true. We have to rightly align our priorities. We have to make sure we are seeking first his kingdom in order for this to be true. No delaying, no excuses. And by the way, Jesus says, limit the scope of your worry to today. Wake up in the morning, present your daily requests. Don't even get to tomorrow. Confine your concerns to today and daily God will take care of you as time goes by. Let me ask you this as we close. What is it that you're worrying about? What's the list of financial needs that you would lay before the Lord today? What is it that you are trusting God to do in your finances? If the list is short, or if there's nothing on it, I want to give you a chance to begin walking by faith in your finances without worry right now. Let's pray.